millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, there's the music for episode 129. I think we should change the music. I think we should have new music, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we have a walk-up song? You should have your own walk-up song. I have my own walk-up song or Mike on song. Maybe we should. But anyway, we can talk about that. Episode 129, we're into the stretch run. The playoffs begin two weeks. It is April the 3rd. And the races are on, baby. The races are on. So I want to go right to where I see a real big-time race. It's for the second wild card in the Western Conference. Just when you thought the Jets were maybe not being able to take off, the Flames have won four in a row for the first time this season. And the Preds won't go away. So, Mr. Coolius, I'm going to put it right to you. You like to be Kreskin from the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show days. Take us into these three teams. Tell us what you think you see. And then we'll see when we get to the end of the season if Kreskin Coolius was right. It's got to be Winnipeg. It's got to be Winnipeg. And how they went through this 7-12-2 and two stretch before lighting it up and have the big boys show up, um, we've discussed before. At the end of the day, if you are paid to score, Craig, if you're uh, paid to create and produce, you must do that. And many of the big-name players on Winnipeg were underachieving. We talked about Kyle Connor. We talked about Mark Shifley, even Nikolai Ehlers. You mentioned Josh Morrissey last time. That's not good enough. And the fact they're still alive for the weekend production of moving Shifley to the wing and filling the net twice. You know how good the New Jersey Devils have been this year? How many teams have put the Devils over their knee and spanked them back in the day when we were allowed to spank, you know, Alfalfa and Spanky. Remember when Spanky put the book down his bum, right? Because he didn't want to get hurt. Like, they spanked the Devils. The Devils are a team who outplay, outshoot, outchance, outskate, most of their opposition, most of the time. And people say schedule loss and everything else. It's put up or shut up. We're in a sport about wins and losses and execution. Did the Jets execute on Friday night? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Did the Jets execute on Sunday? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Now they play Calgary. Thank you, schedule maker. They play Calgary in a game. I do believe they're going to win, but they don't have to. They only need to take a point out of the game. And when you look at strength of schedule and what the Jets have left, they are in control. And two points, as you know, Craig, is huge at this time of the year when there's only this many games left. They've got the goaltending. They've got the wake-up call. They have a little bit of confidence after the last two games. God love the Preds. The Flames did a great job of coming back in these last two games to get at one point against Anaheim. I thought, what's going on? Thank God for Tyler DeFoley too, Craig. Thank God for Tyler DeFoley. Flames will miss, the Preds will miss, and the Jets, because of where they are in the standings, and now that they're scoring again, are going to slip into wild 
card too. That's how Kreskin slash Coolius sees it after the spanking against the New Jersey Devils. What's interesting about the Winnipeg Jets is that, you know, through the first 54 games of the season, it was a really strong team in, in, in all regards, as you just pointed out. And then they slipped. They slipped for 21 games. They really slipped. And that's a quarter of the season. These last two games are the reason they were so good in the first 54 games. And if you find that level of play, the scores, scoring, everybody playing well, the initiative that goes with Blake Wheeler, the last two games has been demonstrably one of their top players in, in all regards. You know, Blake lost the captaincy at the beginning of the year, but he said, I can still be a leader. It's not words that matter, it's actions. And Blake Wheeler's actions the last two games have been simply tremendous. We know they have world-class goaltending in Connor Hellebuck, but when you see how that team can function when they have their players contributing and really dialed in together, that, that's a good team. I think it's fascinating that Wednesday night brings the Flames and the Jets together. The Flames, you know, have, have flirted, have literally flirted with fire <laughs> on Saturday, on, on Friday night versus the Vancouver Canucks and on Sunday versus the Anaheim Ducks. And the, the Ducks coming off of a beating in Edmonton get up 2 nothing, and the Flames change goalies to get up 3-2 and then they're chasing the game. But they find a way to win. They got Chicago on Tuesday. That's not going to be an easy game. But I love about the Winnipeg Jets the last two games. Detroit had a back-to-back travel. New Jersey had a back-to-back travel into Winnipeg. Calgary's the same thing. Jump out on them early. Get after them early. You you know, it it sets up great drama. I think that if the Jets are playing well, like they did on Friday and Sunday, they're going to be a tough team for the Flames to beat. But I am looking forward, because I think on Thursday morning or Wednesday night, we'll be able to say a lot more definitively where that second wild card is now i'm going to follow up just real quickly here seattle crack it seattle crack it <laughs> what do you think could they fall out of wild card one because they're they're not finishing one two three in the pacific they've got those two extra games right craig two extra games and you don't know what you're getting with whom you are playing and when we talk about the bottom of the nhl standings This is in the 74-75 Capitals. All of those teams will be 25-win teams and probably in the 60-point range. For futility, that's pretty good, Craig. Like, team, the Capitals won eight games that year. The 92-93 cents were terrible. The before Dale Howard, Chuck Jets, it's different now. You get points. And when you've got the games, we talk about strength of schedule, who might be resting on other teams. It feels right now that if the Jets were to, pop up and be 91 to Seattle's 90, then Seattle has to make the games in hand. What might matter more jets and flames is if we get to the RW and the regulation wins. Now I've said before, if the jets and the flames were to tie with 93 points after 82 games, there is our Bucky debt moment, Craig. There is where we say who has a tiebreaker Winnipeg. You get the home game and now we're going to play a sexy game. Forget about goals for, goals against, all the schedule. Minus the first game and the team that played more, all of that other stuff. That would be real drama if it would come to that, right? Um, and the other thing about the eye test with the Jets is, is their zone entries. You know when people talk about keeping it simple? It's a lot of the cliches about motivation, keeping it simple. 
the game actually is is not simple. It's a hard game to play at elite speed. The zone entry of gaining the puck, doing the Lemieux, getting it to the middle, kicking it out, center drive. Do I shoot fake pass Royal Road? That's not simple. That's elite skill on skates with back pressure and challenging two defensemen and the other goalie. When the Jets are on, they are as good as anyone else in the NHL. Zone entries, gaining and creating chances. And that's what we've been able to see. You need many ways to do it. You have to abort a play that's not there. You have to be able to create off the site. The more options you have as a juggler, the more entertaining your Vegas show could be. But when the Jets are rolling and they cross that line with speed, kick it out and do some of their magic, Craig, that's a thing of beauty to watch. And it's not simple. It's skill and execution. And it's fun to see the Jets actually using their skill and executing of which I believe that they have more than the Calgary Flames because two of the Flames' best players have not been having fun and executing at a high rate of skill despite this four-game winning streak, which has been better uh, for the Calgary Flames. So that's one of the things I've seen as well. Okay, well, and I'm going to go back to Seattle. Seattle has Arizona three times, Vancouver once, and Vegas twice. Vegas has something to play for. Arizona has not been an easy out all this year, and Vancouver's playing really well. Don't tell me that Seattle has an easy track. Seattle, they have their feet to the fire. It's not a hot fire right now, but they, you talk about teams out of the playoffs, no easy gains for the Seattle Kraken. No easy gains for the Seattle Kraken, and their goaltending stinks. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the Devils and the Rangers. Devils and the Rangers, that's, a, that's going to be the first-round matchup. We know it's going to be the first-round matchup. Have the Rangers found their way now with the additions of Tarasenko and Patrick Kane? They have, and I think they've also found power play one. Remember that uh, idea of a sharing power play one ice time? Uh, we'll want to play with Kreider in front of the net, Kane, Zibanejad, Panarin uh, with Fox. We thought it would probably work out that way, and you know the Trocheks and Tarasenko's uh, wouldn't be in the mix. Uh, could be options later, but wouldn't be in the mix. The thing about the Rangers and the Devils, when they've played this season, and this is in what we've watched, and what we put together in terms of numbers, for the most part, the Devils are faster, have outplayed, out chance, out high danger chance, the New York Rangers. So the last game as a sample size is another example of Vanacek does not have to steal a game. Shesterkin had to make a number of great saves. What does not slump, that brings me back to my Montreal Expo days, Tim Raines and Andre Dawson and Rodney Scott, is speed. Speed doesn't slump. Scoring slumps, ask Kyle Connor. Goaltending slumps, ask Jack Campbell. But speed, of which the Devils have, and their relentlessness, I think there's this great feel about the Broadway blue shirts and the aqua. This isn't Kane at 24. It's still good, Kane at 34 and Tarasenko. And I feel our colleagues, there's more of a, a Ranger love and buzz. I don't know who's going to win the series, but I know speed doesn't slump. And from what I've seen, the way the Devils have directly played the Rangers this year, it's at least a pick them. And there's just something about what the Devils have been able to do in the small sample size against the New York Rangers. Myers only helped. They figured out where to have Mercer. They got a defense who can score as well. Maybe they're not as tough on the back end as a Jacob Truba. And maybe experience will come into play, Craig. Maybe the Devils are just too green and, oh, we're just happy to be here mentality. I don't know. That's not what I see when I watch the Devils. And when you look at some of the other underlying numbers, they're in New Jersey's favor. 
Not that that matters, but I like to get more scoring chances than you. And I like to get more better if that's proper English scoring chances. And if I consistently do, then I should be able to put those in when it does matter. That's what I've seen. And I know the Rangers are sexy. And if they go on a long run, that's great. And especially the Kane factor. But there's just something about being relentless and moving the puck in their feet the way they do that's impressive to watch for the Devils, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, I'm going to go right back to the game Sunday night with the Winnipeg Jets and the uh, New Jersey Devils. And I thought that uh, Rick Bonus did a fantastic job with matchups. And I think this is where uh, Gerard Gallant is going to have to be really aware. And you talked about speed. You, you took it right to speed. Speed on the wings. So the New Jersey Devils have speed on the wings, which opens up the middle. And when you have Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer, who can have the flanks opened up with the speed, you know, that opens it up for them. Well, what Rick Bonus said is, I'm going to have my speed match your speed. He matched up Adam Lowry versus Jack Hughes. And people go, well, why would you match up Adam Lowry? Well, he had Appleton and Niederreiter on the wings. Speed. Then he's got Nemesnikov in the middle. And who does he got on the wings? He's got Ehlers, speed. Wheeler, who's played great, he doesn't have the same speed. Then you go up front, Dubois, and you got Connor, and you got Shifley with speed. The Winnipeg Jets took away the speed on the flanks from the uh, from the New Jersey Devils, and so the New Jersey Devils were kind of they were kind of spinning their wheels all through the game. I don't think the New Jersey, the New York Rangers, can match the speed on the wings to take away the speed which opens up the middle. So we talk about speed, we talk about underlying numbers. I'm zeroing in on specific areas of the team. That's where I think the Rangers ha have a real challenge. It'll be interesting to see what Gerard Gallant can do because that opens up the whole game for the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, that, that's going to be a real challenge. That's going to be a real, real challenge for the New York Rangers. And, but they are fine in their form. They have a good goaltender. I love their sixth defenseman. Let's see where it goes. But, you know, the Devils, it's not accidental what they've done. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, for those who've thought in the NHL past, present or future coaching doesn't matter, that's coaching. And I think part of Rick bonus figuring out what he could do better and what he wanted the players to do better was part coaching, part psychology to be able to say, if I keep doing the same thing, what's going to change. So he did make changes. And then there's that chess match. And you and I have talked going back to Ken Hitchcock and Patrick Waugh um, to Colorado, Dallas, you name it, of series of yesteryear. There is the X's and O's. Then there's a psychological factor as well. And I think when you can make a chess move, right? Bob Gainey bringing the breakout even further down and asking the pinching defensemen to go into uncharted waters. Brilliant moves, right? As it relates to Minnesota and the Edmonton Oilers. I see these types of things when you go head to head, whether it's Lowry against Hughes, also what your defensive pair is going to be and how those matchups help or certain coaches who refuse to realize it's not working and make those changes because bench management in game in the playoffs is where you really make it. And if Scotty has been the all time best, we can talk about coaches that have succeeded and coaches who have not. And I think there's this factor of the sexiness of some star power on the Rangers, the people who don't see the devil. What happened in Winnipeg, New Jersey? That's probably as bad as a result's been for New Jersey all season long. And I'm not going to get into the night before and everything else and hadn't been on the road, whatever. All that stuff's fine. 
I think overall, there's just something about this group that got better with Meyer that sees Mercer, Heesher, like Heesher, the straw that stirs the drink. Like the people know, Craig, who's on down a goal, up a goal, killing all that other stuff maturing into his own. Um, I think I find it fascinating. I get the Rangers sexiness, but in the games I've watched, parts of all of their games this year, the Devils have been better more often, head to head. That's just the truth. So I can't wait for the series, Craig. And all the two, three matchups are going to be sizzling a beautiful steak on the Bobby is what I see. Well, we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna get a, a little bit more into that, you know. And you talk, Nico Hischier should get Selkie Trophy votes. He he might even be top five. He he he. Their penalty killing is top, one of the best in the league. He he's a terrific defensive player, a terrific offensive player. To me, he deserves lots of Selkie consideration. Now, speaking of other players, before we get in to the second half of the show in a few minutes, Leon Dreisaitl. Is he the second team all-star center? Like, is there, yes. I, I mean, I know what, I know there can be a case made for Nathan McKinnon. I know there can be, right? But we know McDavid's got number one sewn up. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Is Dreisaitl not the obvious number two center in the National Hockey League? End of season all-star voting? Yes. Period. End of sentence. That's done. Second in heart trophy voting. That's done. Hey, if Kachuk gets the Panthers in and I can concede the, the bronze medal, that's kind of what it is. Who gets the bronze medal? Because the silver is dry sidles. The second team all-star is dry sidles. The real truth is not just because it's another 100-point season that he's at 120 and counting, not just because it's his second straight and third overall 50-goal season, and he's got more hardware on his shelf than most players who are in the league will ever have, a first or second team end of the year all-star nomination, as the great Phil Esposito said, does matter. More important than the all-star game or getting a mid-season all-star vote. This is elite. You want to make the Hall of Fame? You got to be elite. If you were one of the best two centermen or best four wingers over the course of your career, how are you going to be acknowledged in other categories later? Okay, I get Steve Eisenman versus... Uh, Lemieux and Kretzky kind of fall into the third category. I get that. Steve got his due anyway. But of course it's Dreisaitl. I think people want to intentionally erase Dreisaitl and forget how good he is. Does he kill penalties too? Yes, he does. Is he strong? Yes, he does. Is he the best passer? Yes, he is. Does he score even strength and on the power play? Yes, he does. He's Tim Kerr, for God's sakes, this year. All the things he... Who's better, better than this guy? And McKinnon, God love him as well, but he did miss some time again. Dreisaitl's more durable and, and reliable in that category. And he's been able to do it more consistent, uh, consistently when you hit 82 games. So, Craig, I'm in that category. I believe that you're in that category. Why do people omit Leon Dreisaitl? Because they've already got McDavid here. They want to they be nice to Dreisaitl, to uh, Kucherov and Pasternak and throw votes. Well, the Bruins should be represented, somebody said. They should be represented. They should be represented? Yeah, they should be represented. I didn't realize that. Don't forget about representing the team in the league that might set the record for most wins. Uh, where the logic comes into play, Craig, I do not know, but that's where I feel about Leon Dreisaitl. Like I, yeah, he, well, I'm right. I'm with you there. I'm totally with you there. And I mean, I mean, Leon, he's a great player. And 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 I mean, to me, it's one-two. It's McDavid and Dreisaitl, one-two centers in the league at the end of the season. Now I'm going to finish this 
little segment here because I see a lot of people starting to work against Eric Carlson for the Norris, who I think uh, you talk about, you know, the bronze, like to me, the Norris trophy, tell me who is the silver medalist because this guy has been the best defenseman in the league this year. And it hasn't been close. I'm just going to read you a couple of the things that happened right at the all-star break. His, his uh, puck possession amongst all D puck possession first. Ozone possession second. Ozone pass completion second. Ozone slot pass completions first. Scoring chances seventh. Slot shots eighth. Zone exits. Don't you want goal defensemen to get the puck out of your zone? He's first. Zone entries fourth. Stretch pass completions first. Block passes. Was oh, that part of defensive play? Fourth. Anybody that wants to suggest that Eric Carlson hasn't been the best defenseman in the league this year in all regards, and put it all together, hasn't watched. And I think a lot of people haven't watched. And I'm telling you, I will, I will die on the Eric Carlson Hill for Norris Trophy. He is the runaway winner of the Norris Trophy this year, in my view. The best defenseman in the league. We can talk about who's two. I don't think there's any question who the best defenseman in the league has been this year. Well, I think the argument against Carlson is that because some other underlying numbers don't support his defensive play. What numbers are those? I just I just talked about block passes, zone entries, stretch passes. That's what defensemen are supposed to do. And those numbers are very impressive and really help the cause. The comparable will be Carlson subtracting his stats, which is a major omission. We're going to subtract 100 points. Okay. Subtracting some of your successful numbers and putting them up against the defensive play of Adam Fox, um, you name it, to uh, Rasmus Dahlin before I guess he ran into a slump. And, and those comparables will say, because Carlson – isn't a elite defensive defenseman. Others kill penalties better, et cetera, et cetera. That is the argument that is starting. And I think it's always fair to hear many different sides of an argument. But when something is this wowie in terms, zone exits is huge that you just mentioned to me. Um, What you do in the offensive zone as an offensive defenseman should also matter. And then if we get one of the, what? Six for or five for coffee and three other guys, one, one, one. We're going to be the sixth guy to get 100 points. And we're going to not consider triple digits as a huge category in deciding who the best defenseman is. We're not talking about who do you want on the ice to kill a three on five against you. That's not what the conversation is about. Um, and I think some people, Craig, they want to look like the smartest people in the room. So they intentionally will come up with their numbers, not faking numbers but looking at certain analytics that don't help Eric Carlson. And then it's up to us to cipher through them all. And I don't know where you are in some of the other numbers and some of the things that you've seen out there in internet land. Well, I mean, I use sport logic, end of story, stop, full stop. That's where I, that's where I begin and that's where I end. So, you know, and, and those are the data that I'm using. So that's where I'm at. That's my declaration. I will finish with this. Okay. When you look at Eric Carlson, what he's done, okay, and, and, and there's been some terrific, terrific defenseman uh, performances this year. Quinn Hughes, Miro Haskin, and Adam Fox, obviously. Kale McCarr continues with his brilliance. In my view, nobody has done what Eric Carlson has done. 
And you know what? Like, if you want to, he, he's not a penalty killer. So you don't want a penalty kill. Just like you don't want Jacob Slavin on the power play. And he's a, he's an excellent defensive player and an excellent penalty killer, right? Rod Langway never played on the power play, right? So we didn't penalize him for not playing on the power play. We didn't penalize Paul Coffey for getting hundreds of points. All I know is this, and I do. All I do is know is this. The performance by Eric Carlson on a team with very little skill. Everybody goes, oh, look at the – listen, he doesn't have a lot of support on the team. He doesn't have a lot of support. Goaltending near the bottom of the league. And, and when you got players that aren't as skilled and you're overwhelmed, that's what's going to happen to you. His season has been brilliant. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yes. Okay, Mr. Down Under Aussie. I heard you trying to use the Aussie uh you know kind of uh inflection let's go back to two three matchups least lightning least lightning i'm just gonna stop right there and i'm just gonna turn it over to you go what would make anyone think it would be different this year for the toronto maple leafs let's say what makes it more realistic to slay the dragon and win a playoff series for the first time since 2004. Well, the belief is that the Lightning defense without two more players that were on the team last year would be a start. What the Lightning have had to use on the right side this season, as you compare the Lightning defense going back to even 2019 to where it is now, you would say I test on paper and what some of the other underlying numbers have shown us is it isn't as strong as it's been before. So that might be an area of vulnerability that perhaps that the Leafs could exploit. Also, someone like a Ryan O'Reilly, is he the second line center? Is he a second line winger? Do they move Tavares? Does he go down to the third line? Ryan O'Reilly does give the Leafs an option of Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly that would be as strong or in theory, a little bit stronger then perhaps the Tampa Bay Lightning could be. When you look at the other little factors of adding other players, maybe against his original MO 
of players who are harder to play against. Now, Ryan O'Reilly would be one. Nola Chari would be another. Zach Aston Reese, Sam Lafferty for what he could do. Luke Shen on the backhand. That the Leafs have added some size and strength to a group that was criticized before for maybe not being Corey Perry, Patrick Maroon playoff type ready. So on paper and what we've seen in the lineup, the Leafs have improved. And on the back end, at least the belief would be that the Lightning are the same or a little bit worse. Does that mean anything? Does that make sense? It feels like Morgan Riley and Luke Shen are the bottom pair. The eye test and some of the other things Morgan Riley has done this year have moved him down the lineup, which would then mean more pressure and ice time for an aging Mark Giordano along with Justin Hall. They are going to face either the Braden Point line, the Stamkos line, or a third line that still has a lot of talent. So this is about depth down the roster on both sides. So does this mean anything, Craig? I'm not so sure. But this could be the meal, Banya. Like, after all of this that the Leafs still can't win, they got a goal. He's got a 9-16 save percentage. Ilya Samsonov is not going to be the issue if he plays the way he's played this year. He's been as good or anybody else's number one goalie. And Matt Murray's not reliable. Don't rely on Matt Murray. And anyone who would ask the question, who would be the starter, hasn't watched 73 games because the only time it may have been a question is at the end of the national anthem in Montreal in game one. Once that game ended, then there was a kind of an idea of the direction they were going. But Braden Point's been great. Stammer's scoring again. Kucherov's had a nominate me type season. Still very deep up front. Still have a goalie I wouldn't want to face in a game seven elimination situation. So for me, if it's not now for Toronto, when will it be? I still think. If I have to give a 50.1 edge, it's Tampa. I'll believe Toronto can beat them, Craig, when I see them beat them. Yeah, fair fair enough. You know, I'm going to be real quick on Samsonov. One of the top goaltenders in save percentage, top in inner slot save percentage, and one of the top five in slot save percentage. Like, give me a break. There's a discussion to be had here on Ilya Samsonov and who the starting goal is. No, there's no discussion. He's a guy. If Morgan Riley's your bottom pair defenseman, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in big trouble. Because Victor Hedman hasn't had his elite status here either. John Cooper is not making him their third pair defenseman. They do not have a better third pair. They do not have a better left defenseman than Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley and TJ Brody need to play together as their top pair. End of story. Just stop there. Stop overthinking it, everybody. If Morgan Riley's on your third pair, you're in big trouble, Toronto Maple Leafs. Big trouble. <laughs> because nobody else can play the minutes that Morgan Riley can play. So if, if, if that's what you think, go ahead. I, I, I think that that would be a huge mistake. Austin Matthews is playing great right now. I think that that has become – and he's not just playing great offensively. You know, he's going to get 40 goals. He has got a two-way game that is, that is superb. He is a force out there. I think that – you know, that might be enough for that to carry the lead on the 50 to one margin. I agree. You know, you got to show me, but you know, I'll give it a little more time. Do you know who doesn't have to show me anything? Do you know who doesn't have to show me anything? Who? who? Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard goes on the road, first two playoff games against a very good Saskatoon Blades team. They go in and whip them 6 1 in game one. Connor Bedard has two goals and one assist. 
So they're all jacked up for game two. You know, the building's, you know, like packed up in uh, Saskatoon. And all he does is get a hat trick and two goals, ties up the game late 5-5. Regina wins it in overtime. He now has eight points in two games, five goals. He averaged a goal a game in his WHL career. <laughs> he averaged two points a game in his WHL career. These playoffs, he's averaging four points a game and two and a half goals a game. This guy is unstoppable. And for the Saskatoon Blades, who had a fantastic season, they had to look and go, oh, this is our reward? We get the Regina. It wasn't the Regina Pats they were getting. They were getting Connor Bedard, who can win games and series all by himself. Spin that wheel, Mr. Coolius, because whoever wins the lottery this year is winning the big, big prize. One of the biggest jackpots in NHL history. Remember nights we've gone out and either me and you or a group and at different places we've worked and it's a great time and somebody doesn't make it. And we say, Oh, you should have been there last night. Cause we had an unbelievable time. Well, we're going to go out again tomorrow, but we're not going to have as good a time, but it, it was, it, we'll try watching what I saw in those two games is his, he, it's like, he's already above <laughs> the skyscraper or he's already at my fake, believe ceiling like his head's already above the ceiling and it's like well he can't do anything any better and then he slips through those two defensemen and does that what is this a, a parlor trick in vegas are you all that was missing was fire and the lion and then after all the only point he wasn't in on was the overtime goal as everyone's looking back to where he was and then when he, he is the ultimate decoy. Look what I'm doing over here as we score the game winner. Not to mention the goals that you're talking about. It's almost, weren't they just going to keep him and slide into the sunset and miss the playoffs? Wasn't at one point someone came on the show and said, well, they're not making the playoffs. Stop it right there. Talk to the hand. They weren't? No. And if they get in, they probably stop. So right now, winning two games on the road after you're not supposed to make it like his like what's next you know what i mean like what's next is is he are they gonna go six attackers because he's got the puck all the time um i say facetiously i i couldn't believe what i saw like even after all this i couldn't believe he's not playing a junior b team he's not playing you know kazakhstan on the national team he's on his club team where he continues to do things that craig that's why you brought it up as a conversational piece. Now, shame on me for putting a, a deflector plate or a limit on this guy. Because you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake again. And we just heard veteran players and veteran coaches say, let's pump the brakes a little bit on him. Okay, you can, but then the rest of us will be flying by in the fast lane because I pumped the brakes on him a bit in these two games. Shame on me. Well, I'm not pumping the brakes on Connor Bedard. They, they tried, people tried to pump the brakes on Mary Lemieux in his draft year, too. I mean, okay, go ahead. Uh, you pump the brakes. Here's what greatness shows you, and it shows you this all the time. It shows you that there are no limits. It shows you that you may put a limit, you may put a ceiling. They don't put limits on themselves. And that's what he, he is that special player that when you go to a game, you're already on the edge of your seat because. He brings you to the edge of your seat and he brings you out of your seat because when he's on the ice, something special can happen. And special does happen with Connor Bedard. And 
when you put it all together and you think about the first overall pick, you know, it was kind of funny leading into the world junior tournament and people were talking about this player, that player closing the gap, closing the gap. Is that hilarious? Yeah. Right. It's like some, it would be like me closing the gap on Shane Bolt because I ran a sub 12 seconds, 100 meters. I haven't closed the gap on anybody. Nobody's closing it on Connor Bedard, but we're going to close episode 129. We'll be ready for 130. You get the final word. Well, I'm wearing my NHL SiriusXM hat. I think it perfectly fits to say hats off to Connor Bedard and what he's done in his brief playoff career. And it will be amazing to watch the rest of the series in the spring, but even more amazing, Craig, to watch him in the NHL next year. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. We're not pumping any brakes around here. We're pushing hard to the playoffs. Ciao.